Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Box Office Time Machine, the show that looks at the biggest movie of yesterday, the biggest movie of today, and decides if either will be big tomorrow. On this week's episode, Kevin Hart goes to night school, and Jeremy Irons never should have passed medical school. I'm John. I'm Veronica. And welcome. Oh my goodness. First episode, Veronica. How are you doing? I am doing so well. I would hope we would have different movies for the first episode, but here we are. <laughs> I'm very worried that we're going to come across as negative people. Oh no. Okay. But I, I think we're spoiling it first. First, let's start by saying uh, in a very positive way who we are. Hi, I'm John Bershad. I am Veronica Yurovsky. And we are both incredibly qualified to discuss art and yes. film. Yes, we both watch it. Yep. Done. Good. The end. <laughs> so, the show that we're starting, uh, uh, which is um, this masochistic and <laughs> expensive thing that we're doing, is that we are going to try to watch the number one movie, uh, judging by domestic box office receipts, uh, of the weekend... And then also watch the number one movie of this same weekend from some decade prior. In this case, we are. it is the final weekend of September, first weekend of October. Week 39. Ooh. And we are watching 2018's Night School. And then we're also watching 1988's Dead Ringers. Yes. Uh... So, exciting times for both of us. Yes, yes. Is there any connection between these movies? Absolutely not, except that they came out at similar times on vastly different years. Exactly. But, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's something that, yeah, we can talk about. Maybe we could try coming up with a connection by the end of the hour. Maybe we can. Why, why don't we get started with the newest movie? This is Night School. Here we go. Night School stars the one and only Kevin Hart as Teddy, a wannabe hustler who dropped out of high school before the SATs and now to maintain a relationship with a woman who is wildly out of his league has to secretly take night school and pass his GED so he can get some kind of job at a place where Ben Schwartz works. Joining him at night school playing the teacher is <laughs> the one and only Tiffany Haddish, who is reuniting with the director, whose name I've forgotten, who directed Malcolm her... E. Lee, I Nice. Believe? Thank yeah. you. That's a note I should have taken beforehand. Anyway, he directed her breakout role in uh, uh, Girl Trip. Um, that movie... Girl's Trip. Girl's Trip. <laughs> I only saw Tiffany. <laughs> uh, he directed that movie, um, wildly successful. This one also successful for a weekend. I'm not sure if it'll be as beloved as that movie. Uh, I, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, 
I I mean I don't want to be yeah I I don't want us to be perceived as like negative people I suppose because we do love movies we but, do but that one was just you know what I I will say when we started this uh, project um, recently um, <laughs> uh, I was very worried I wasn't worried about the big budget superhero movies I wasn't worried about the the big Oscar bait. Um, the movies, the successful movies that I was most worried about were the big studio comedies. Because uh, mm. I um, uh, find uh, comedies I don't like to be much harder to watch than any other genre. Um, but I will say it's, I thought maybe, you know, maybe. I, I, I watched the trailer. I thought the trailer was a bit of a mess and had weird, st- like, didn't get across a clear story. Turns out that was representative. Um, so, <laughs> so it was a good trailer. <laughs> it was a great trailer. Sold the movie perfectly. But I, I, I was also like, you know, I, uh, the last big studio comedy that I really enjoyed was Jumanji, also starring Kevin Hart. And I truly love that movie. I've seen it multiple times somehow. Um, but like, I, I saw that movie and I was like, well, of course, this dude's a movie star. This dude deserves to be a movie star. Um, and I'd seen Tiffany Haddish around. Uh, I loved her uh, in her like SNL and talk show appearances. And uh, this has a, 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 what would you call it? Like a, a, a rope, uh, what's that expression? A killer's gallery. Uh, murderer's Row. Murderer's Row. Wow, thanks for nailing that and not making this dead air. <laughs> <laughs> a Murderer's Row of, of great comedians. You got uh, Rob Riggle. Uh, um, Marilyn got, Rice Cub. Yep, Romney Malco. You, you got all sorts of great people. The aforementioned um, uh, uh, Benjamin Swar- Schwartz, who um, I like to say uh, in a bit of like a, a uh, kind of uh, racial equality plays the um, useless token white friend. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Which is nice. Yeah. So I thought maybe this would work, but in the in the beginning, we get a 2001 flashback, which I didn't like as much, nearly as much as the great 1999 flashback from 21 Jump Street. But I was like, you know what? Let's go with it. Oh, we got Taron Killam. Sure, like him. And then it just falls apart. Here's my favorite thing about the flashback, and that is going to be my favorite thing about any flashback, mm. is that they have the balls to let the actors play themselves with <laughs> only a slightly wi- a slight wig adjustment. And I, <laughs> I love in a, in a in a silly comedy, go go that there's something about Mary Ruth. Just slap some braces on them and call it a day. I love that. And then put them next to actual teenagers. I think yeah. that's hilarious. But yeah, it's sort of... And you got Keith David as his yeah, father. Yeah, that's true. It was, he's good. He was my favorite part. He, he had the sells same, the material. He had the same facial expressions that I did during the movie. <laughs> so I, I could totally relate to him. Um, but yeah, so I, so we have this flashback, and then we come to the present day. Um, we've got Teddy with his, uh, Kevin Hart's character, Teddy with his girlfriend. And we just get into the plot. And I guess the main thing that really didn't work for this movie, uh, me work with me for this movie, is that this feels like a bunch of episodes of a not very good sitcom randomly stitched together. Well, it was written by, let's count them, one, two, three, four, five, six people. Always a good sign. And that's the credited people, because we know (laughs) there were rewrites and there were... (laughs) I mean, it's just like, and, and I got this feeling from the trailer. It's like... At one point, okay, so it's a group of misfits in a night school trying to get their GED. And at one point, it's like, oh, 
um, uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish is trying to work with them and she's like uh, trying to like boost them. We're going to get montages of them studying. But then it's like, oh no, actually they're heisting, trying to steal the test. Yeah. And it feels like either of those things could kind of be their own, own movie. And like that heist sequence is this 20 minute, laugh-free <laughs> dirge in the yes. middle of this film. Speaking of minutes, Veronica, how long do you think that movie we watched last night was? Uh, well, I know because I looked, it, looked up? it up. It is almost two hours long. 111 minutes. Yes. That is insane. And there's clearly tons of cut stuff out. Um, I think this movie was originally aiming for an R rating. I don't know that for sure. But um, uh, there is a ton. I would say I saw like five percent of the dialogue is eighty yard uh, yes. poorly with mm-hmm. a, a lip sync that does not match. Uh-huh. I assume curse words are being cut out. There's also like there's stuff with like uh, and then there's like little stuff like you see a bunch in one shot. He's celebrating with some stripper characters that have been vaguely mentioned before, and I feel like had a scene where they were actually introduced before yeah. they were just in the background. I don't know. It just feels, this feels like they thought, let's put a bunch of funny people in a room, film them improvising, and then who cares what happens? It'll work. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be funny. Improvisers are funny. Like, but yeah, there's a lot of scenes of just like Rob Riggle or Marilyn Ricegub or Romany Malco just ranting, like (laughs) doing like basically just like very odd specific latent dial uh, monologues and that are so unfunny but you have to like keep listening to them cuz they go on for minutes there there are multiple times when you know how like a bad like 80s or 90s comedy will have like dog reaction shots Mm-hmm. This movie does that yes. with the supporting cast. They just, sh- like, cut to either, either uh, Romney Malk... Uh, is that, how do you pronounce his first name? I thought it was Romney. Let's go with it. Romney Malk <laughs> and or Ben Schwartz just grimacing or going, whoa! And it'll just cut to it, and it's clearly not reacting to the action that is happening. And then, like, the first few scenes end with... I don't ad libs perhaps from Ben Schwartz that feel out of place. Like the first one, I remember the opening scene where he leaves the test. Mm-hmm. Ben Schwartz says, "And besides, I think um, so, uh, Teddy's sister's character's name. Let's call her Tadina. Tadina, <laughs> sure." He says, "And I besides, I think Tadina's got great boobs. Uh, besides what?" We don't know. We didn't get the beginning of that sentence. Yeah, it seems, yeah, like, not only is, like, you know, things were cut, but they were cut, like, very haphazardly, and it seems like there is a lot of cut corners in this movie, it feels like. There is, there are weirdly, so at the end of the movie, the big, um, spoilers, guys, spoilers. loose spoilers. He has an amazing... He gets back together with his girlfriend. Don't Get, worry. You did not if expect it that. And you're freaking out. It works out. But they're like big dramatic... Um, and two <laughs> split thoughts in the middle. Drama does... This movie does do the awful thing where they try to insert actual sentimentality for no reason. If you want, want to go see Night School, if you want to go see this gr- wacky Kevin Hart movie with T- uh, Tiffany Haddish and get bizarrely serious discussions of learning disorders good luck good news they're there (laughs) um but they have this uh dramatic conversation 
and their eye lines don't match. She's yes. I I I asked you. We we saw the movie together because I thought I was crazy. No, that was true, and that sort of uh, my actual like imagining what happened behind the scenes was <laughs> was that originally this movie starred the rock and yes. they shot only one scene with the rock and it was that scene <laughs> because literally like it's sometimes it like it looks like they're in the same room but sometimes the they they just like cut between like <laughs> them they are never in the same shot and it feels like they like, it feels like their responses are not natural, like, to, like, the previous thing being said. There are know. so many scenes where people are just filmed, like, looking straight at camera, almost as if they're in front of a green screen. I mean, um, one character does it on purpose, the character played by Fat Joe, um, uh, who <laughs> plays Bobby, uh, who is a student from prison. Um, and that's another part where I was like, this feels like a sitcom, because Community, like, did that storyline, and the movie looks... Like, it cost entirely the same amount as... as one episode of Community. <laughs> Jesus, one act of an episode of Community. Um, but they're also, like, they're just jokes that don't work. So there's a scene... There, The weird thing is, like, tonally, there are some jokes that feel like they're out of, like, a more surreal comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this probably goes into the six different writers. Right. But, like, there's a whole weird part of a subplot where he works at a parody of Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. this very Christian fast food restaurant. Christian chicken. And it's a <laughs> slightly lazy title, <laughs> but um, but it is funny. The scene is legitimately like, okay, I can see that this would be, this is a funny parody of Chick-fil-A. But when he first gets there, there is a thing where he has an address of where he's going to work and he arrives and the joke, I'm sure, in the script is supposed to be, oh, shit, he's going to work at this strip club next door. And then, boom, reversal. No, he's going to work at a Christian chicken place. But it's just poorly executed. The joke, the way it's shot is so bizarre. Yeah, the timing is weird. Because he's not looking at the strip club. He's looking at the chicken place. So we don't, the strip club's just weirdly in the background. That's, I don't know if there was deleted R-rated material there. Maybe a bunch of topless women ran out and went... It was classic Chekhov strip club. (laughs) But then they... I guess they sort of ran out. Or, like, maybe, yeah, it was cut because of the hard R that probably all those scenes got I don't know. And then also, I guess the thing tonally that I I hated the most, and I... I, uh, uh, This gentleman has worked uh, in more than 100 films, some of which I very much like, I hated this score so much. Oh, yeah. Mostly because it is omnipresent and so loud. Yes. And it has, basically, if any person were to just write the most on-the-nose cue for whatever (laughs) the emotion that the scene was trying to convey, that would be the music that you would write. There's a lot of just, like, wah, 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 and, like, <laughs> awkward stuff is happening. But we talk, I don't want to, this is our first ever episode. I, we don't want to seem negative. Is there anything you liked in the movie? I liked, well, so I like the gag where, uh, so, I don't know, guys, so, because he's getting his GED, the one of the climaxes of the movie, there's several. Mm-hmm. It is 
the reveal of like how the class did, whether they passed or not. Oh. And they go through the thing and like everyone passes until it Kevin it's Kevin Hart's time and So we're we're in I not that this movie plot matters, but this is actual like real spoiler stuff, I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah, I guess there will be spoilers. Yeah, fuck it. This is a spoiler podcast. This, We've decided. We, yeah, this we, is we, a spoiler section, okay? It is hard to talk about a movie without spoiling it, so please watch it if you want to. <laughs> um we so, don't know what this show is. <laughs> so uh so and so Kevin Hart, spoiler alert, does not pass. Which I think that is sort of the expected part, but the unexpected part is then there's like this weird running gag, like a montage of him, like, I'm going to try again. And he keeps failing. And it was very funny. I was like, this is such a weird joke. This like sort of weird anti-comedy joke that kind of works. There are a few jokes like that, like the, um, uh, 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 like, for example, uh, Rob Riggle plays a character called Big Mac. Mm-hmm. But he has never heard of McDonald's. <laughs> and that is such a bizarre, absurdist joke. And they play it like, because there's like a 30 second thing of people being like, wait, you never heard of McDonald's? And yeah. he's just like, what? What? And it fe- I feel like execution wise, that could have been funny. And I don't know if the director just didn't want to play in that tone. But there's a few things that feel like they're in a script of a much more absurdist film. Yeah. Um, Another thing I liked was uh, the fact that, you know what? The lives of half of these people were really dark and sad. Which, you know what? Would be the case for people who are, like, taking GED classes. But, like, it only worked to an extent. So, like, Marilyn Ricegub has, like, this sort of abusive husband and, like... Seemingly... Emotionally very abusive. Yeah, just very, like, aggressive and abusive. And then at, like, the end of her emotional arc, she confronts him. And immediately in the same scene, without even, like, having, like, a beat of him, like, you know, like, fighting back with her about anything. She's like, you're right, honey. I'm going to change my ways. I'm a changed man. It's That was so odd. It is so bizarre because, so that arc, (laughs) quote unquote... (laughs) begins the first time we see her husband i believe is during the studying montage which is clearly a bunch of deleted scenes cut together it is not does not play like a studying montage it's very bizarre and we see him yelling at her once and it's a weird thing because we've just seen two scenes at night and the same night and then we cut to her getting yelled at in clearly a different night but it's confusing just throw a fucking day scene in there to show that time (laughs) is passing anyway (laughs) At the end, the end of the movie, yeah. she, in in a conversation with another supporting character, introduces that her big character thing is that uh, her husband won't let her live her life freely or something. I mean, her whole thing is that she... And like, also have freaky sex with her. That sort think, of came I think out. that's an R-rated stuff. I think that that was... I think that... I think this whole thing is a, a victim of, of uh, editing. Yeah. But um. But then, so her the one of the other supporting characters, this teen girl, is like um, she introduces teen girl, but then is drinking alcohol with all of them later on school premises. Uh, yeah. In a provided way, they, provided to her by, by the by teacher. The teacher. <laughs> um. She's definitely introduced as being eighteen, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I don't um, know. Either way, she's not introduced as being twenty one. <laughs> but she uh uh, but so the, she's like, you gotta stand up for yourself. 
And in five seconds later, the husband uh-huh. comes in. She's like, okay, I'm standing up for myself. And he's like, all right, I have been an asshole. Okay, let's let's have crazy sex the way you want. I'm into it. It is like wet hot American summer style of like level, like random shit just happens. Uh-huh. Only serious. Exactly. Uh, but, um, but anyway, I think like, so this was the number one movie of this weekend. Mm-hmm. I doubt it'll remain number one. Uh, well, the reviews there, have been very poor. There are also some major contenders coming through next there weekend. There have. But I guess uh, the question for us is, do you think this movie will have any, it is the biggest movie of the weekend, therefore objectively the best, most mm-hmm. financially successful, objectively Money the best quality. piece of art. Uh-huh. But my question to you, will this movie have any lasting uh, impact on pop culture? Is this Will this movie be remembered in the future? Um, so I'm not a Kevin Hart connoisseur as you are. <laughs> but uh, I don't... Can I be a connoisseur if I've just watched Jumanji 2 I'm... a lot of times? I I looked through his uh, filmography before we started this, and I think the only things I've seen him in were like the forty year old version and mm. an episode of Modern Family. But <laughs> I suppose that's not your question. I don't know that any of his movies are memorable to me in any way from a standpoint of someone who has not seen them. Mm. So there are certain movies that I haven't seen that I'm like, oh, I realize this as like a cultural thing that yeah. happened. I can say that about any movie that he has been in, and I don't know that this is markedly different in mm. any way. Um, so yeah, I would guess people would probably forget that movie happened. I think so. I I mean, he's already wildly successful. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is is blowing up, and I think I well, really like her. I think she'll have uh, uh, staying power. My guess, and I I've been very wrong about a number of things. Um, the presidential election of 2016, all sorts of things. I mean, people were relying on Bad you, predictions. <laughs> but um, uh, my guess is this will be like, you ever, you ever have one of those days where you're just like flipping through the like TV channels and you just see a movie that suddenly has like, like Steve Martin and Tom Hanks and you're like, what the fuck is this movie I've never heard uh-huh. of? And it's just like a movie with two wildly famous people that just got completely forgotten my guess is that this will be that movie that sometime in the future people will be like, Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish did a movie together and they'll watch the trailer and then they'll go, oh, no wonder I haven't heard of it. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> but it was number one for a week. Good for it. So let's look at what was the top five movies from that weekend. From this past weekend? From this past weekend and see if uh, anyone else should have been number one instead. So we have Night School, the aforementioned Mm -hmm. uh, movie, at number one with 27 million. We have Smallfoot, the... uh, Children's animated film. Yeah, about looking bigfoot's looking for humans who they call smallfoot is what you i see, got from the trailer the way we call them bigfoot they call us small smallfoot interesting so yeah that made 23 million uh a house with a clock in its walls oh my god that title is insanely bad blame the author uh 12 million but that it opened the week two weeks mm. no last week that was number one the week before uh, a simple favor. Paul Feig does Hitchcock mm. with six million, 
and the nun. The nun. I hear that God. is the darkest chapter of the Conjuring universe. Uh, I mean, I cannot refute you <laughs> or confirm it. I, I, I just know that the posters told me it was the darkest chapter of the Conjuring universe. I mean, the nuns have a dark past, and you know that, John. <laughs> well, the Catholic Church in general is having a dark period. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have not seen any of those movies. Um, I cannot say that any of them are better. I've heard better things about a few of them. <laughs> um, all I know is this one did not really stand out for me. Um, Veronica, how do you feel about us hopping in the time machine? Is this a thing bloop, we do bloop, on the show? Why don't we take a, a quick break as we travel through time and space? If we're going to the fridge to get a beer. Um, and in just a little bit, we'll head to 1988 to watch David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. And we're back. Woo! All right. Are you guys ready to hop out of the time machine? <laughs> no, we're scared. In the year 1988. Oh, what a time it was. Yes, I was negative 10 because i'm very young me too we were born on the same day oh i was one um i will not say how old i was <laughs> all right anyway dead ringers let uh quick synopsis guys jeremy irons and jeremy irons i like but, that you 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 do a full run yeah the, you don't just go irons you irons i, I thought that's what it is how do you pronounce the thing that you do to your shirts? Iron. Oh. How do you say it? This is good radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons? Is that I, how you expect that's me to how pronounce I said, it? I Maybe mean, okay. I'm wrong. I don't All know. right. Scar. It's Scar. Scar and Scar are two gynecologists you don't want anywhere near your vagina. And Uh-oh. David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers... Irons plays twins who share everything, including women. But when shy Jeremy falls in love with an actress with three cervical openings, what bad boy Jeremy gets jealous, and then things get out of hand. (laughs) That was an insanely whimsical description for a movie that was... Not whimsical at all. It was also a description of the first half of the movie, exactly. which is very different from the second half of the movie. I, I mean, I guess that is a place where we can start. So the movie starts off as being this sort of like weird sex fetish movie mm. that you would expect from David Cronenberg, the man who in the future would bring you Crash. Yeah. I want to start by saying all the Cronenberg movies I like so that, I, again, we don't sound too negative. I love... Videodrome. I love a history of violence. I love Eastern Promises. I don't love Dead Ringers. Uh, I really like the aforementioned Crush. Uh, and <laughs> I enjoy the history of violence and Eastern Promises. And that's all I've seen. This is the first David Cronenberg movie I see that yeah. I do not like. This is the second and I, uh, well, the third. He did that limo movie with uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, right? I forget the name. Anyway, um, this uh, this was very similar to me to a movie I I have never really liked that people love at least in GIF form. Scanners. Oh, the movie with the head blowing up. That's Be- the only thing I know about it. This is also very languidly paced. Yes. Uh, very dreamlike. But like you were saying, it the first half. 
you said it's, it's like creepy fetish. I the first half, I I am actually very interested to see how you you took to the first half because it feels very much like a horror movie specifically for women or. Uh, Specifically for, for people vagina who own Americans. vaginas. Yeah. yeah, vaginaed Americans. <laughs> and Canadians. Uh, and Cana- specifically <laughs> Canadians. Hey, the hell, they paid for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, uh. And then the second half, I guess we to finish the thought, yeah. is sort of a meditation about, I guess, some sibling attachment, but also just about drugs are bad. It very... Well... That whole thing of, like, the drugs are bad thing. He develops a debilitating drug addiction faster than yes, a character on a Saved weekend. by the Bell. It's amazing. But it really... So, it's, you got one half that's very much like this very kind of psychosexual term they actually use, which is the way his movies have been described, and the characters actually say that phrase. Um, the psychosexual, like, horror movie about... People and things you do not want near your vagina. Uh-huh. Um, very creepy, very kooky. We've got these wacky surgical uh, robe things. Well, here's... I mean, I... Was it creepy? Was it kooky? I thought it was very, like, oddly... That was my, my first <laughs> note that I wrote is, like, is this movie, like supposed to be like sexy on any level like because this is like coming in an era of the erotic thriller yeah and it while i mean obviously it has the cronenberg spin on it it still seems like the movie is at least trying to be sort of like sexy through like some sort of like perversion thing at least like how that's how it felt to me in the beginning and none of the stuff felt like even remotely sexy in any way but they Uh. also didn't really feel that freaky because like there is like the there's one scene where uh, so the the rubber yeah so there's one scene where uh, I believe it's shy Jeremy Irons yes, has sex Beverly uh, shy and bad boy are gonna do <laughs> are gonna be good enough uh, has sex with the three cervix lady trifurcated and her character's name is Claire Claire uh, so they. They have sex, but he, like, ties her up with a bunch of tubing and some medical, I guess, sort of apparatuses that are supposed to, like, close up orifices or something. I can't really, like, clamps of some kind. Yeah. Uh, we and, didn't go to medical school. Yeah, we we are not doctors. We're we are, qualified to review movies. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, not perform surgeries. <laughs> please don't hire us for your <laughs> surgeries. Uh, but it just felt like weird. <laughs> I well, I think that's on purpose. I said I think that scene's supposed to like feel both sexy, uh, like feel like it should be sexy, but it's also uncomfortable. I mean, just like the, every all the shots of the rubber is weird, but then also the fact that you know she's being lied to. I, I but that's the thing. I didn't like find it uncomfortable in any way. It just felt funny. Well, I thought I felt like we were building discomfort. I felt like the first the first ten minutes. I'm like, okay, where are we going? This is interesting. 
And then once Claire starts to figure it out, I love there's a shot and I'm awful. I don't have the actress's name at hand. Um, But uh, uh, the French actress um, who plays an actress, uh, there is a Genevieve Beaujou. Love it. Um, where she kisses Beverly, uh, shy, sorry, shy, shy Jer, and uh-huh. not, uh, not bad guy, bad dude, uh, <laughs> shy Jer, uh, uh, Jer, she kisses him and has a little look on her face that she notices something is wrong because mm-hmm. she is not actually kissing the man she thought she was. She's kissing was, his twin brother. Cause he was using tongue. And then once, <laughs> once <laughs> she calls him out on it, I was into all of that stuff. I thought that was, I was like, okay, we're building something super fun and interesting and creepy. And this is going to like, they're going to lose their mind. And I, I knew of this movie by reputation. I knew about the surgical instruments. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ready. Like, okay, here we're going to go. They're going to fucking lose it. It's, it's like all these horrors. The person you're having sex with is not who you think they are. Uh, the doctor who is uh, operating on you is mentally imbalanced. Uh, he is using tools that are terrifying looking. Mm-hmm. These are all great primal horror things. And then midway through the movie's like, it's it's really it's, you have one half that is this building psychological horror, uh, psych, uh, psychological horror movie. Then you have the second half that feels like it's all about uh, codependence. And this kind of thing about, like, if you are in this codependent relationship where you view yourselves more as one person as opposed to two, what happens when one of those two people in a codependent relationship has a nervous breakdown? And this idea that the other person would have to replicate that nervous breakdown, like, I think that's interesting, but I feel like because the movie's weirdly split in two... Maybe it's fucking on purpose. Maybe Um, the movie is good, Jeremy Irons, and bad, Jeremy Irons. But it feels like neither. I I would watch a full movie of either idea explored Mm -hmm. more fully. Well, yeah, I mean, to get, I guess, one way where it does resemble Night School. Hey, guys, remember the movie we talked about? Every way. They're identical identical twins, more like identical movies. Uh, They were. Uh, anyway, uh, but it is, it does feel, especially with like, I guess, quote unquote, promise of the surgical tools mm-hmm. that we don't really get that payoff in any major way. I mean, I guess to spoil the 88 year old, not 88 year old, but the movie from <laughs> 1988, uh, 30 years old, they shy Jeremy Irons ends up in a sort of a drunk. Uh, not, uh, like a drug-induced sort of mental state decides to cut himself away from his Siamese twin, who he considers a Siamese twin, which is bad, Jeremy Irons, and he does it. To be clear for anyone who's not seen the movie, they are not actually Siamese no, twins, no, no. but he has a few uh, uh, nightmares where they are. Which, I guess, let's put a pin in that, but... Uh, he operates sort of, uh, he, like, punctures his stomach with a, one of these weird instruments, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, that is the extent that, uh, there is also, like, the threat of him almost using it in the operation room, but that doesn't pan out. So it almost seems like we were promised some weirdness. Mm-hmm. I wanted more weirdness. I, I mean, I guess want- that is my big, like, disappointment with this movie, is that, like, 
when you go to a David Cronenberg movie, you expect some weird, unexpected shit to happen. Yeah, it's just like the second half of the movie really, it feels like it could drop one Jeremy Irons, have another character play it, or, or just, or actually have it be twins. It doesn't matter. It feels like if you just watch the second half of the movie, you could be like, oh, this is a, a sad movie about someone with a drug addiction. Yeah, but... And I, that's it. But I guess, yeah, to finish my point with, like, the similarity to Night School is that it feels like a lot of stuff were cut mm. out. Like, or it feels like an incomplete movie. It feels like two halves... Of a movie looking for the other half that never really comes. Oh. I also, (laughs) I guess that's a continuation of my thought of whether this movie should, like, want it to be an erotic thriller or not. What would you think if this movie were starring Michael Douglas instead of Jeremy Iyer? I You keep saying that. I don't think it ever really... Like, like I don't think this was I trying to be basic it, instinct. I, I don't know that it's trying to be basic instinct. I think it was definitely trying to, like, titillate you sexually. Well, I do think it's interesting. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You just watched this. I watched this a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, this totally was interesting. Uh, we, we both... Neither of us... Uh, we should have said this at the beginning. Neither of us had seen this movie before. Right. Um, uh, I feel like we, we see much more of Jeremy Irons than, well, we do see, who is, is that, that woman who's dating Bad Dude? Yes, her name is... Was she also the receptionist at the, the clinic? No, right? No, that was a different lady. Okay. Her name is Heidi Von Pulaski. Cool name. Well, you do, so you see her naked, but it did feel like, do you, do you feel like this movie... I felt like this movie is more directed at women, but maybe that's just because I thought it felt more like a, a female-centric kind of nightmare. I mean, maybe, yeah. Maybe in the first half, but like in the second half when it's like more about like the addiction of it the two. It does feel... It just... I don't know. So this movie is based less, on a novel that yeah. I know nothing about, and that novel in turn is based on... A true story. A true story, but I believe that the only really true elements, I might be wrong, are the fact that it was two twin brothers, they were both gynecologists, and despite being successful, they both died of drug addiction, a uh, drug overdose, within a few days of each other. Uh, they were found, uh, from my research, they were found in an apartment on the Upper East Side together. It feels Dead. like it feels like people who are inspired by that ending and that true life ending and these details that are so weird twin gynecologists with uh, doing drugs that's fucking cool dude <laughs> um they were so inspired by that and then they wrote a first half of the movie that was actually going in a different direction than the ending that inspired them and so they went whoops okay i guess we got to get drugs in there like, yeah. um, I don't know. I just wanted to see more of, it felt like the beginning, maybe it felt like the beginning of a trashier movie that I might have enjoyed more. Yes. That I was, would definitely have probably enjoyed the the end of the first half of the movie yeah. <laughs> more than the beginning of the second. Well, that's, uh, okay. So, th- so this is 1988, uh-huh. uh, Dead Ringers. Um, I know Jeremy Irons, uh, had he already done, um, uh, he was in one of the Dangerous Liaisons adaptations. Uh, but I know when he won his Oscar a few years later, he thanked David Cronenberg. He was in Dangerous Liaisons? Well, I think he was in one of them. There were there were two that came out the same year. Whoa, I only know of the John Malkovich one. Whoa, guys. Dude, I might Maybe be Maybe I'm not I, qualified I to talk about I might straight up movies. be thinking of fucking John Malkovich. 
Yeah, uh, I might be the one who fucked up. Well, he wasn't the French lieutenant's woman by that point. That's what I was thinking. No, I have no idea. I might have just completely fucked up. But uh, was that the only thing he'd been in up to this point? I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Okay, well, he won an Oscar a few years later, and he thanked uh, Cronenberg. Cronenberg did not direct that movie. But this... Uh, well, and but he, he did not think the director of the movie he won. Well, I, I, I assume he did. But he I, I'm sure, like, any time you get to wear, play two roles um, and they're this thing... I do think he's great in the movie. And I think there's a lot of really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's a few shots I love. I love the... Ma- there's a makeup trailer scene where... Um, we uh, uh, Claire, the the female lead, is an actress, and she's getting makeup on, and one half of her face has makeup. You know, you got this fucking twin duality shit. Do some cool shit with it, and they yeah. did it in that scene. And then, um, I also like the scene of like the weird dream. The first time I believe the Siamese mm. twin fear come yeah. is introduced is that he is in bed with uh, Claire. And he has a dream where his twin is in his bed and then, which I thought was a brilliant bit of editing, you immediately cut to a shot of, like, them being sort of tied together at the belly. Uh And that was, like, jarring and weird and I wanted more of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they originally had a second dream sequence that they cut out. Whoa. Oh, man. Uh, And I I think I know, because there's this shot early in the movie where he jumps up uh, out of the way. But, um... Uh, but so, yeah, there was cool. Stuff. And I I loved at the end where there's when their things are going to shit, and there's a scene where they walk around, and it's clearly it appears to be just repeated footage, so they look literally identical. Their movements are exactly yeah, the same. That was good. I like that, but I guess what we're saying is that David Cronenberg is a competent filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast of hot takes. Um, but I guess uh, my question is, do you think this movie? has stood the test of time. We have 30 years between us and this. How much do you think Dead Ringers has uh, uh, made mm. its way into the public consciousness? I mean... Neither of us had seen it, so that's... Yes. So neither of us had seen it. It's definitely not known as the David Cronenberg movie to watch. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know that it has too much resonance really to me in my mind it is kind of cool that a movie like that could be number one yeah in the box office which is i was surprised when you gave the list and that this was a number one film yeah it's kind of cool that like a movie that is for adults that was probably mid-budget got Mm. but looking i mean so I'm going to read to you the top five box office from September 25th, 1988. And it's Dead Ringers with three million. A Fish Called Wanda. Oh. Die Hard, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Cocktail. Wait, that is the hold top on. three. No, not to say that, no. It, Did all Dead of, Ringers come out, It was that new and the other yeah, ones Yeah, that old? was the only new movie. Everything okay. else was... From at least a month before, okay, maybe. Okay, that's, that's a great bunch of movies there. That, but that is a great bunch of movies. Uh, Much better than the top five in 2018, I believe. Absolutely. Well, you know, we haven't seen them. Maybe uh, uh, maybe Smallfoot is a 
uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit-esque children's film classic. Yeah, and The Nun. I mean, it's the diehard of our day. Oh, it's a dark chapter of the Conjuring universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... It's interesting. I feel like I hear that I've heard this movie discussed. Um, I think things that I you hear about, you hear people reference the surgical tools, which again I think don't get enough <laughs> prominence in the movie because they're the most interesting part. And, and then, they're very pretty to look at. They are, and then the surgical gowns, which are these bright red, absurd-looking things, which I think the movie, the TV show Nip Tuck, stole when that came out fifteen oh, years ago. That makes total sense. Um, it reminded me of uh, Hamlet's Tale. Oh yeah. Well, I just think I think this movie comes up more when people discuss Jeremy Irons than when they discuss David Cronenberg. Because I. I might be wrong, but I feel like this is not a. This is not the movie people think of initially when they think of David Cronenberg. I mean, he's made so many great movies. I mean, I yeah. think people go to. I think this is on the level of like the Dead Zone, where people are like, "Oh yeah," and he also did that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like yeah, with Jeremy Irons, you're like, okay, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Lion King, <laughs> and then if you're weird like me, Lolita. But <laughs> Ooh, the Adrian Line version. Yes, I was so tantalized when I was of an age at ninety-seven, uh, the year ninety-seven. <laughs> so here's a another question for you then. So Entertainment Weekly ranked this the twentieth scariest movie of all time, and Premiere really? Magazine, rest in peace, voted it as one of the twenty-five most dangerous movies, which I'm not sure. Like, what that really means? Well, this but... film is, it was physically heavy, so you could hit someone with it. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah, and no children Just under five should watch it. something about the film stock they used. <laughs> um, that's, that is so, for, first off, I do not find it scary, but I also was sitting there going, like, I want, I would assume someone who has been to a gynecologist on a medical basis, not like I do, I go for fun. Uh-huh. Um, just to chat. Uh, but no, no, no. I feel like someone. I feel like someone with a vagina would be find this frightening on a level that, like, you know, on a simple level of like. Uh, uh, I was watching a trailer for that. Um, Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, uh, Brian Cranston movie coming out, the remake of the French film uh, in which Brian Cranston is a quadriplegic, and there's a whole catheter scene, and I, and there's a whole joke about how Kevin Hart is freaking out just watching it in in use, and I felt like. For someone with a vagina who goes to gynecologist, is this movie that that for well, the first hour? I don't know because I feel like I was mostly thrown by how like like they're just bad bedside manner and just yes. everything. They were just like very violent, just like insert the yeah. They were bad doctors. They would like put their like like hand inside and it was like so violent. And then it was like, I don't know. It was. I think that is on purpose. I think all the sound effects, whenever they're like removing, whenever they're like using some kind of tool and it's presumably in a woman's genitals, the sound effects sound like they are like churning up food. (laughs) That woman has been mutilated if those sound effects are accurate. And I think that's all on purpose. I thought maybe this movie played to, uh, to women like the same way like a movie like Teeth would play to men. Uh no, I don't I mean for me it definitely didn't. I would also comment on their uh 
lacks adhere to the patient doctor confidentiality where he shy Jeremy Irons calls <laughs> his uh, Claire calls Claire and gets her gay assistant and oh my god and <laughs> immediately thinks that she is cheating on him after I like, love that he's he's just a a, a shitty like, guy who's never had a girlfriend before and then he's like just so you know she has three cervical openings if you put if you his i think almost direct quote if you uh if you gently lubricate two of your fingers and insert them into her and then massage her cervix you're gonna find not one but three openings that was just like <laughs> dude come on I, we should ram it up but i want to talk about one scene and character a character we never see again who is just the friend of claire who goes oh hey they're twins you naughty girl <laughs> I love that scene because it's just like, oh, she should find out. How should she find out that they're twins? Oh, let's just have a random character we never see again to have dinner with her and go like, oh, you know you're fucking twins, right? I mean, sometimes you need a second pair of eyes. I, that's the whole point of the movie, really. Uh, uh, I, I actually love that scene. I was like, that's so funny. I That was when I was really, really enjoying the movie. And then I, I kind of stopped. Here's my favorite quote of the movie. It's uh, when, yeah, I think it's after Shy Jeremy Irons thinks that Claire's cheating on him. His evil brother is trying to console him by saying the immortal line, she's a showbiz lady. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot, too. I mean, it's, it's good. It, to me, this it felt very similar to um, uh, The Babadook. Uh, I, a movie I've not seen. Purely in my enjoyment of it. I mean, people love <laughs> people love the Babadook, but like so, the first half of the movie is ext- uh, introducing an external monster who who I love. Like the Babadook's a great original monster, great design, great everything, very creepy, building fun, and then midway through the movie, it turns into like an internal horror, which I will not spoil for you. I'm more worried about you than the the uh, oh, thank listeners. Thank you. Uh, but. Uh, and I think either could be a good movie, but I feel like there's a weird thing about splitting something right in the middle where it feels like neither thing gets enough time. And if you had had that shift towards the end, like, I don't know. It, it just felt like these were two two stories that had enough time to get get intriguing and good and had it stuck with either tone longer I would have enjoyed it much more. Yeah, it reminds me if we're doing unnecessary comparisons. Wow. It reminded me. Was that your criticism of my <laughs> criticism? Yeah, I suppose. We're. Uh, it reminded me of From Dusk Till Dawn, which oh. is a movie that I rented at the well, time. Veronica, that's right there in the title. It's got a dusk half and a dawn half. I, I thought that was metaphorical. <laughs> uh. So I rented the movie, and the first 30 minutes is basically just like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's like, I mean, he wrote it. So, and it's like quippy and fun, and I was so into it. It's a lot more sexual violence than I feel like his movies usually have. That's true. It is kind of violent. Uh, Well, I mean, mean, he is a... Anyway. uh, But, and then, so I could not finish the movie on time returned it to the Blockbuster, Rest in Peace, or whatever store I was using at the time, and 
then blind bought the movie and I was like, I I mean I like the first half. It has to be good. Wait, did you this is a made up story. Did you really not realize it had vampires in it? No. I had no idea it had vampires in it. <laughs> like I That's in no I really? didn't I literally I I finished watching like before returning it the movie to uh the blockbuster or whatever at the point where they're like at the RV headed to what ends up being like that like the that is insane oh yeah I had to pause Psycho because I was like <laughs> I just I need you know I hope Janet Lee makes it out but I had I the kids were calling I, mean, she I has had to go to. yeah no it was literally <laughs> that and then I buy the movie and I watch it all the way through and I was like what is this? <laughs> well, at least that movie has a crazy snake striptease scene with I Selma mean, Hayek. That for movie a second was out. fun. I, I mean, I didn't really regret it. I gotta say, the making of of that movie is way more oh, fun. That's a whole di- yeah. Yeah, full tail boogie, guys. Watch um, it. We'll watch that the week that that movie was number one in the <laughs> box. So office. never. <laughs> so never. Can I share with you one last piece of uh, Dead Ringers trivia? I would love for you to. Uh, so one of the actors who turned down the twin role was Robert De Niro, Ooh. and do you know why he turned down the role? Turned down the role. I I actually read this trivia as well. So why don't you say it as if I don't know? Well, yeah, please be as surprised as you would, <laughs> uh, because he felt uncomfortable playing a gynecologist. Ooh. That was his main objection to the movie. All right. So I believe that would be our first episode. Whoa. We knocked him out. I think it's time to read our fan mail. Uh-huh. Um, we don't have fan mail yet, so I'm going to read some text messages I received during the show. Uh-huh. Um, Anna says, going to go to Olunny's on 45th. That's uh-huh. good to know. Um, Adam says uh, Brooklyn Heights is where he's living now. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty interesting. And Veronica said, "Cool, I'm finishing watching Dead Ringers." And <laughs> that's all the text messages I received in the past couple hours. Woo! <laughs> um, all right. So we are we're trying to aim for this to be a bi-monthly podcast. Am I correct? Yes, or a bi-weekly podcast. Yep, we're gonna watch. <laughs> the the two number we're gonna watch number ones from multiple countries. No, so bi-weekly also means every other week. That's fucking man. That's confusing. Yeah, I know. Or a we have a stupid night. language. Yeah, our language is stupid. Boycott English. <laughs> America last. <laughs> oh boy. Let's get political, guys. Uh, you know what? No, it's I'm not gonna talk about current events. It's a shitty current event day. I'll say that. So, do you want to, even though this is going to be a bi-monthly or a bi-weekly mm. podcast, which are the same thing, would you care to speculate who you think is going to be number one All at right. the box it's office? The big wager. I think you, we're falling on opposite sides, and I and yes. you actually have backup. I'm just shocked. You actually did did research and read the the get the estimates. I I did a bit of research. So I let's uh you know let's clue in our listener as to. Well, we're pretty sure the number one for this weekend coming up, opening tomorrow is October 5th, 2018. Uh, we, uh, it seems like it's going to come down to Venom, a Spider-Man movie not featuring, featuring Spider-Man. And, and A Star is Born, a movie not featuring Spider-Man as well. 
You know, you don't know that. You haven't seen it. That's true. I haven't seen <laughs> Tom it. Tom Holland appears in that one instead. I, I really, you know what? If you tell me that I, A Star is Born features Spider-Man, <laughs> I might see it. Well, he appeared in every other version of the story, too. He was actually really a major part of the, the Barbara Streisand version. Oh, my God. Uh, Chris Christopherson plays Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually seeing that movie Right after we finish Ooh, recording this. Ooh, find behind the scenes look at John's uh, life. <laughs> that is where I'm meeting people at that bar. Um, I'm hoping that wins, if only so that I have a reason to have seen this movie, and not just because I know a bunch of people who uh, wanted to see it. Yeah, I suppose, I guess that makes me Team Venom, even though I don't really have much interest in either of those. I gotta say, I did enjoy the Venom trailer quite a bit. I, but... I, just, I just want to read this headline that I saw on um, uh, Jezebel of the Gizmodo Radio Media Network, whatever the uh, uh, Gawker dispatches are now. Um, but this was a headline I saw yesterday. Um, oh, let me find it. Michelle Williams on bringing her hashtag MeToo Awakening to her role in Venom. So, see? Uh, Don't you want to see that? So if this if that ends up being number one, I'm very excited to see how how Michelle Williams' Me Too moment is brought. How she brings it to the thankless role of Eddie Brock's girlfriend in Venom. Yeah, I feel like maybe if Venom is number one, we can talk about the fact of how they managed to hire very competent actresses to like play thankless roles in movie after movie after movie. I'm going to throw out money as yeah, my best guess. I feel like that would be the answer, but still it makes me sad. Uh, but I guess, yeah, so my reason for picking Venom is twofold. More theaters. Okay. And, yeah. Oh, is, is Stars Born estimates. a limited release? No, it's not limited, but it is almost 600 theaters short of Venom's opening. So there's right. that. That's I will. Good, that's a pretty good reason. I will say that because also looking through the openings the week after, mm. I would not be surprised if A Star Is Born has you know better legs, quote I think unquote, it's film. and stays and becomes number one. Well, the, the reviews have been more positive, and I'm gonna be honest though, I would be more excited if I was going to see Venom right now. I feel like the reviews. <laughs> I'm seeing it. That being said, I am seeing. Uh, uh, I'm seeing a Star Is Born with a a, a large group of comedians, uh, many of whom uh, are are very very excited to see Lady Gaga's well, in this film. Well, I feel like I think it's gonna be a good vibe. No, oh, I'm sure it's gonna be a swell of a time. But I think like the reviews being positive are mostly about, oh, this is not the crap that we expected it to be. Do you think? I think it that like any every review that I wrote, it was like we thought this is gonna be bad because it's directed by Bradley Cooper, but Lady Gaga is really good in it. Um, you're talking about Sydney's best friend from Alias. There. His best role to date. Hot uh, take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that <laughs> on that we should figure out a way whatever. to sign off. Oh yeah, more... should we should we try one out? Okay, you should you should try. We'll one each out. try one out. All right. Okay. Um, this has been box office time machine. Catch us next week. We're heading there right now. Zap 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 time machine.
Alright, ready? Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Box Office Time Machine. The show that looks at the biggest movie of yesterday. Sorry, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I had it planned in the bathroom. <laughs> all right, let's well, that's how all things that are planned in the bathroom go.